Pod, 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 pod. Rugby pod. Hello and welcome along to the Rugby Pod brought to you as usual by our good friends at Guinness. A big thanks to Guinness for all their support throughout the season. We've been enjoying a Guinness or two responsibly from home and in the garden, which you can now do with up to six friends. But it won't be long before we'll be back and having one in the pub and maybe even with you at a live show. Big Jim and Goody are with me as usual. How's your week been, guys? Uh, mine's been pretty um, pretty ordinary, to be honest. Not not a lot to report, but I, I do know, and it happens every week, I, ju- I get excited by the podcast because we love doing it, but I get even more excited by hearing Jim's tales about his life because it always just makes me feel a bit better about myself. You know, I, I've sat here and... I've got a few things I'm going to discuss in a bit, but I, I just want to hear the news from Jim. Where, I mean, Jim, you look like you're in a different place. Are you at Barnard Castle? <laughs> Barnard! Barnard! Slight change of scenery, but yeah. it, mate, it's a better surroundings, though. Like, the visuals look significantly better. Mum, look at me. I've made it. <laughs> you know, you first started doing the podcast on lockdown from a cupboard. Then you got to do it in the bedroom with Beck's dresses hanging up in the background. Or they might have been your dresses. I'm not sure. Um, but this time, you've but got... that's fine. That yeah, that's fine. You're allowed to do that. You're allowed to do it. But this time, you've got a picture of a lion behind you. Is that to um, to talk about your British Lions experience when you should have got picked ground round? She said you're in, but you're out. You're in, you're out. Well, as we know, Goody, uh, I'm one of the most famous podcasters in the world, so I thought I can't carry on in the, in, the, in the vein that I was going. Like, we need to evolve, and that's what we're doing. I'm in a bigger room that's being turned into the studio, and I've put a bit of, um, what would you say, accessorizeries in the back. And for the millions of people that aren't watching this, but to the millions of people that are watching this on YouTube, they will see a lion's head in black and white, in a black and white frame, because that's really retro, and that's what um, it says to do on this interior magazine that I saw, do it in black and white, because it kind of contrasts with your sofas or whatever. I don't really know, but there it is. <laughs> There's a line in the back. bought that in 2013, around March, April time, uh, just before the tour got announced, thinking that it was going to happen. It didn't. So I've got that there with uh, some thistles, because... Um, you're allowed to go to Barnard Castle. You're allowed to go to Barnard Castle. So the uh, the thistles just tell a story that I'm not allowed to say because you know that I know. You know, last time we spoke about the Lions and you being possibly in the in the Lions squad and missing out, and it got put on YouTube that video clip of you speaking yep. about it. How was the feedback? Well, no, no one cared. Uh, well, the, uh, yeah, they didn't care positively. Uh, my mate actually said, mate, have you seen on YouTube the comments? My goodness <laughs> me. It is amazing how on board people are with what I say. They really, really <laughs> respect me. They're really in line with everything that I say. So for the millions of you out there who listen, head over to YouTube, check out the videos and the clips that go up there and uh, interact because there's some really nice, positive people out there. Mate, people are just, it must be lockdown. People just really warm to me. And for that, I love you because um, it's a good job Bet calls me the elephant skin. <laughs> thick skin. All oh, right, yeah, yeah. No, no, not foreskin. Thick skin. Because um, amongst the million positive messages, there's a few horrible ones that says <laughs> that says I was shit. How is this guy doing a podcast? How did that guy even play rugby? Well, Steve or whatever your name is. Dot one two three dildo. Whatever your name is, I don't know, mate. I'm questioning that as much as you are, mate. But the thing is, is I'm here. And I'm in denial, and you're there, and you're in denial, and uh, we're still in lockdown, and I'm going absolutely out of my mind. But we're easing it. They're easing it. Whoever's bloody running the show is easing something, 
Uh, and I had a bagel today, which was delicious. Oh. Um, that I didn't make. I didn't make it. Oh, someone made it for you? Well, someone made it for me. Well, Apparently I've, that's allowed now. Yeah. I don't know if that's allowed. It is. I've learned something in lockdown that I'm really good at as well. You know, you talk about getting through this whole period and getting to the back end of it and then hanging your hat on something that you've achieved and you've worked on. Well, I found out what mine was this week. I make unbelievable ham and cheese toasties. <laughs> I mean, you mentioned bagel, Jim, but ham and cheese toasty with some salad cream on the side and a bag of crisps and then a star bar and a can of, can of uh, Coke Zero Cherry, mate. I, I, that's, a, that's, a, that's a lunch of a legend. Do you count um, the calories or not? So do, do you think, right, so I'm going to eat this followed by this. I'm going to squirt off a pint of salad cream in my mouth and then wash it down with a can of Cherry Zero Cola or whatever it is. So therefore, I've had 1,500 or 2,500 calories and I'd probably need to stop or do you just think, get it down, you Zulu warrior. Uh, chief, 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 chief. Let the gut do its business and then go again. Do you count the calories or not? Uh, what do you reckon, mate? Of course I don't count the calories. Um, what I do is I have to hide a bit of chocolate upstairs so the missus doesn't get too mad at me when she sees how much I've eaten. But, you know, it is what it is, Jim. We're getting through this lockdown in different ways and I've made a progression this week in terms of my fitness and my physique. You know, I mentioned it a few weeks ago. I ordered a bike. I'm still waiting for that bike to be delivered. So I've got a couple of questions. Firstly, I bought this um, the, the Lycra, we'll call it. We'll call it Lycra. Bib shorts. So you know the things that come up over your nipples and round the back and it's like a man. It's like a mankini. <laughs> yeah, I like. I've gone the full the full hog, but I need to work out when you put the bib shorts on because my problem is if I just get the half shorts, then my belly still hangs out over the top of it, which ain't a great look. Whereas the bib shorts. Oh my goodness! I bib- couldn't even imagine <laughs> you in either. <laughs> the bib shorts, you can tuck your belly in a little bit, but what I want to know is, do you get nipple rub with the bib shorts because it comes up and you put it over your nipples, so it's a bit sexy as well. Do you get Nipple I can rub. guarantee. I can guarantee you will not get nipple rub because yours are folded <laughs> underneath the others. I can tell you now there will be no nipple rub portoir for you for the bilingual people out there. Well, that's that's the first question. And the second question is: So, have you, have you put the lycra on yet? So you've put it on. Or, oh, mate, so I've you've tried it on. Yeah, I've tried it all on. If you post a picture or even a video of you getting into that, I guarantee that will go viral. I'm telling you now. <laughs> well, I bought I bought so much of it, and so much of it doesn't fit. So I found a few bits that do fit. Um, so I've got to send a load back, which is a task within itself going to the post office these days, I tell you, because obviously the housekeeper's not back yet. Pablo used to go. Pablo's, 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 pa- go. <laughs> Pablo's still furloughed and, you know, <laughs> um, he, um, I'm still paying him, obviously, but he's just not here to do his job. So um, the other one is when you put your Lycra on, do you use chamois cream? You know that stuff you put do, like for the chafing around your balls and under there? Do you, do you book guys use that? Well, ask because Andy Rowe, mate. He's, so, he's sometimes I get the tail cat. Oh, the no, towel powder. Nails, yeah. The talcum powder. Yeah. I mean, Jim, your bush takes up for you. Don't need chamois cream because your bush obviously smoothens out the area with the uh, the volume that you got down there. But the talcum powder—that's an interesting one. The, there's bush, and then there's that bit called the guach in between, mate. There ain't. <laughs> actually, there is. I was going to say there ain't. There ain't no air. There is. There's a lot. So uh, I almost lied, and I'm not a liar. I'm a manipulator. So people can come back to us on social media, come back to me, come back to Jim. Just give me some advice on cycling. Do I need chamois cream for the old uh, undercarriage? Where do you put it on? And am I going to get nipple rub? Are my nipples going to bleed? That's what I need to know. So that chamois cream or gel or tub or whatever, don't ask anyone else. If you trust me, okay, before you go on a bike ride, take a spoon of that put it in your mouth, swig it down with a drink. <laughs> and I'm telling you now, mate, you will not be thinking about chafing me old rubber tongue. 
Should we have a look at some of the news that's floating around at the moment? No, we better oh, what, talk some serious, some serious things. Why? Yeah, go on. Why? What's so, happening? World rugby, what are they saying? Though? Well, competitive sport can officially return from today, um, but we still don't know if the Premiership will be back. Um, so do you guys know what we're waiting for? Who knows, mate? Week to week, but things are moving. We know Premiership football is definitely starting now. Uh, we also know, or we think we know, or do we know, that Ruggers is due to start a little bit of training. There's still no set date yet but there's a small bit of momentum gathering i mean some of the stuff i'm seeing is crazy right you can't pass a rugby ball to each other because someone's touched the rugby ball okay so that's one thing that can't happen but you can train and start to train in small groups so however that looks you're probably going to the gyms the gym in fives and eights but just give us a date yeah i think i mean the good news is the government have now given the go-ahead um, that they can get back into training. There's been some clear definition around uh, the furlough scheme. Clubs can keep their players on furlough but bring them back into training, which is a massive positive because obviously I think a lot of clubs were worried financially about bringing players back into training for maybe six or eight weeks before games started, having to fund all the wages when they had no income and that was one of the issues. But there's now currently clear directives from the government and the big issue for me, and I think it's something I wrote a column about for Rugby Pass the other day and and a couple of weeks ago as well, the Premiership clubs and the professional game board cannot agree things. Like there's 13 different people pulling in different directions. Um, They can't agree on a return to play uh, and a return to training schedule yet. Some clubs are ready for it, some clubs aren't. And that's the big issue. You know, there was the bit in the press a couple of weeks ago that Sale Sharks were going to go back in before anyone had agreed anything. So, you know, you're seeing players do training on their own. You know, you're seeing running sessions and all this stuff on social media so I know there were certain clubs saying that they wanted to wait off to see whether the furlough scheme players could come back to training before they were unfurloughed but that's now been cleared up so I think there's a meeting on Thursday where we'll get a definitive answer. What is obvious in all this now I don't know where it stemmed from I don't know whether it stemmed from Barnard Castle I don't know whether it stemmed from anything to do with that but lockdown is easing right and it's easing quickly like it really is. I think what happen, happens is, is like, so we see horse racing start back up Monday. That's what I saw. I mean... You watch it. Um, Newcastle today on the all-weather. I mean, what a place. I don't, wa- mate, I don't watch ho- horse riding, but is it horse riding or horse racing? Horse racing. Horse racing. Horse racing, mate. Who knows? Horse racing. But there ain't no social distancing there, mate, are you, if you're touching a horse? But anyway... Um, <laughs> I think that's really different. Well, I mean, who know? how do you know? Dr. Goody, like... <laughs> who knows? So anyway, that's starting back up. Then football starts back up. And what starts to happen, it's like cafes, right? So if you own a cafe and you go there, you get a coffee, you get a takeaway coffee, and the next door has stayed closed, if you're next door, you're raging, aren't you? So you're like, well, I'm just opening up anyway. Who knows if you can or you can't, but you're just doing what the guy next door is doing. So what's happening now is, is I get that rugby is a contact sport and I get there's a slight ease in some of the restrictions and the lockdown, but horse racing, horse riding starting, football starting. Now we need a date. We need a date for this to start now, don't you? So if you're the governing body, right, and whoever's running the show and you're the clubs, you need to know now when income starts coming in, right? So however that is, I know BT Sport have honoured their deal with uh, the premiership teams, which is amazing. So maybe they don't have to worry about that side of things because we know there's going to be no fans. Um, there's going to be some cardboard cutouts. I tell you what, talking about that, that is my ambition, right? One team out there to put me in the crowd, what team will that be? I don't know. I hope it's not someone crap. Um, <laughs> Go on, who? Who? Who do I not want to be in the stands with? 
What team? Quinns said it. Oh mate, why are you being horrible? Why are you being horrible? Leave me out. I don't want. Mate, I don't want to. I don't want to be in the crowd there. I don't want to be in the crowd, mate. Leicester put me in. Gloucester put me in. Captain uh, Saracens leader put me in. Put me in the crowd. Anyway, the biggest frustration for us in rugby, and I can't even imagine what the players, the coaches, and ultimately the owners of the clubs are going through because we just need a date. That's all we want. Just give us a rough kind of guideline. So you think, Goody, this week we might get that? Well, hopefully, yeah. And I think that's certainly what Thursday's meeting, uh, the club owners and the professional game board, the agenda is clearly to get some definitive answers on that alongside a few other topics that we might talk about in a bit. But the one thing for me, imagine being a player now, Jim. So the season sort of paused in March, didn't it? And the players are being given training schedules to train on their own. Effectively, you can lift weights and run since March. And then you're going to have to come back to to training and do a mini pre-season for another four or six weeks perhaps if you're Leicester maybe they want eight weeks that's like my worst nightmare it's like a 24 week pre-season I mean who'd want to be a player these days Matt I'll just get me out of the house that's it mate training I'll do anything you want I will do them down up things which took me I went down pretty quick it took me a while to get back up Malcolm's do you remember Malcolm's you ever do a Malcolm no. disgusting mate who's, got, mate who's Malcolm as well so they've got these fitness <laughs> fitness things and we did this fitness thing called Malcolm and the whole time I'm thinking like I ain't thinking how fast I'm going I'm thinking I just hate fucking Malcolm whoever he is <laughs> what is a Malcolm I don't know but I bet he's bold yeah <laughs> So clubs have been having meetings whether it's necessary to make the 25% pay cuts that they've already imposed permanent, but the RPA aren't happy about that at all, understandably. Where do you guys stand on this? I don't think they should. I don't think I don't think you should take it. I, I get these times that we're in. Um, we know that players have taken cuts. Some of them not as willingly as others, but the majority of them quite willingly. Mate, the RPA have got a lot of stuff to try and get through. I get that there's a part that we want to see the game saved or we, we don't want the game to lose any more finance and that it's already lost, but I don't think I'd be too happy with 25%. Goody, can you even see that happening across the board? Or not? So, so do you think if that happens, right, 25%, would everyone need to fall in line? Can you yeah, see it happening? I, th- I think ideally you want, if that is the case, everyone to agree it. And I can see both sides of it. Jim's explained it pretty well there. And, and you know, as a player and some clubs... Like Jim said, some players were more helpful than perhaps others to say, right, we'll take a short-term hit of 25% while there's no rugby going on. But then once you get into the longer term, and I can see it from a player side, absolutely no way would you want to take a 25% pay cut for another year would be your first thought. But then you look at it from the club's perspective and, you know, there was the miners report around the salary cap and, you know, the feeling around the game. And I know that a lot of the professional game board meetings are going on about reducing the salary cap. There's chat around a lot of the clubs uh, wanting to, to get rid of the marquee player, which they feel, or marquee players, which they feel has driven up the market uh, outside of the marquee players as well. Um, so th- the big word is sustainability. If I was a player, would I want to take and agree to a year's salary cut now of 25%? No. As a club, can you see why they're saying that? Listen, th- there's not going to be potentially bums on seats and season ticket sales and um, revenue coming in for months to come uh, and a long, long time. The players will say, no, the clubs want to do it because they don't see it as a financially viable product anymore. They're also seeing the the issue of uh, a lot of clubs, except for Bristol, actually want the salary cap to be reduced, which is going to be horrific for the players to hear. 
because how do you reduce a salary cap of say and I did a wrote a column on it for Rugby Pass reducing it down to say five and a half million quid from seven and a half million quid to make the game more sustainable but I think there's got to be a collective decision made by the Premiership clubs the Premiership game board and it goes back to I think it goes back to the fact that to change something and to have something implemented like that you need 10 out of the 13 clubs to agree it and ideally they'd want all 13 clubs to agree it so it's unanimous but this is a you know it's a frightening time we're living in um, because of it could come down to players want to go on strike if they're not getting all their money and 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 strike collectively, which means that no one's playing rugby. There's no money coming in and clubs then effectively probably will go bust. So there's no right or wrong answer. It's a tough tough conversation to have, but they're conversations that the game has to have because currently it's not sustainable. And it's even less sustainable at the minute. So that's why these conversations are uh, are going on. Would it be more sustainable if ring fencing came in? Because that's been talked about again, again, hasn't it? And do you think that's going to actually happen? Oh, I've given my views on ring fencing. I think that, that that's the only way forward. And the, and and the more the momentum gathers with it, is the uh, that that's the only way that I can see it. I can't see it not being ring fenced now. Yeah, I think the the big thing on it is there's a few things that need to happen. So I think the RFU are the decision makers on this and I think there's a board meeting maybe this week for the RFU to talk about it it is on the agenda I mentioned it a few weeks ago you know park what Saracens have done over the last six seven eight years around the salary cap and the ill feeling that was around the game back in sort of September October time November time and beyond you know that is immaterial now in relation to the pandemic that we're going through in the state of the game and and, and everything that's going on in the world so I, I tend to agree with Jim now. If the RFU can ratify it, oh, here he is. Well, no, but this, this is the thing, though. But there's, but there's, oh. look, but there's, two, there's, there's two points to it, Jim. The stark reality is they cheated. They've had their punishment, but the, the world's moved on now, and there's bigger issues in the world. And with it, if and I suppose a lot of clubs would say, if the miners' report is taken into consideration and ratified, and everyone adheres to the new salary cap, and then Saracens, you can ring fence and you can build the game around that. But the RFU have got to make the decision uh, because ultimately they dictate the the process of the leagues and the promotion and relegation. It's their competition. It sits under the RFU banner. So then Premiership Rugby, if the RFU ratify it and say it is okay to ring fence it, then the Premiership Rugby and the, the, the professional game board, they need to then have a vote on it. So, and I think again, it goes 10 out of 13 clubs need to uh, agree to it to to ratify it and, and get it pushed through. So th- th- there's components to it. And I think some of the owners will have to say, right, well, if we take on the whole of the miners report, we can ring fence because then we have the ability to trust Saracens and other clubs, Bristol or whoever. Uh, Bristol are fighting against it. I know that. We've seen that in the press. Steve Lansdowne has openly come out and said he doesn't want to reduce the salary cap or take away the marquee players because he's got tons of money that he, he doesn't mind pumping in to build up a great product but not every club's the same in that and that's the issue so part of the salary cap is to create a level playing field and when you read the salary cap it's it's that's one of the first things that's mentioned in the first paragraph i think the the idea of it is to create a level playing field around 12 clubs if that's not a level playing field you don't want to go down the route of look at f1 now we know that hamilton is winning f1 you know mercedes are the best team by far and there's no competition there you know very similar in uh, in football, there's only a collection of two or three clubs that are winning anything because they've got all the money and they're the richest clubs. And it becomes then uncompetitive. You don't want rugby to go down that route. And I think that's what the salary cap's about. That's part of the reason for it. So am I in 
either party. I, I want people to earn as much money as possible, but I also want there to be a game in 10 years' time, a professional game with 12 or 13 premiership clubs that's a viable business where if we carry on the way we're carrying on, that ain't going to be around in five years' time. And just around the Saris thing, imagine if they do ring-fence it. What happens to Nick Azikwi? He's just signed for Northampton for a year. What happens to these boys then that have gone on loan? Do they still go on loan? Do they come back? How does that fit in a salary cap? It's just yeah, mad. I think they do. It's mad. Yeah, but how do they Saracens fit that into a salary cap? So it's mad, isn't it? There's so and this is it. it's not an easy just ring fence it. It's fine. There's loads of conversations that need to happen. And if you're Northampton or if you're Bristol, who have got Ben Earl, you've planned for having him there next season. So are you just going to go? Oh, actually, mate, don't worry about it. Go back. So there's so much that needs untangling if that is the case. And it, perhaps it is the the best way forward now to to ring fence him. But there's a lot that needs to be, a lot of undercurrents that need to be worked out to get to that point. Well, it's about time we've got a guest on and we have Wales and Northampton fly half damn bigger on the line. How are you, mate? Yeah, I'm all right. Thank you. I'm all good. How's lockdown treating you? Because I can see by the visuals and the millions of listeners out there, unless they're watching it, won't see. Are you hid away up in the loft or? Well, we're back We're back in Wales. Uh, we came back to Wales uh well, whatever, however many weeks ago it was now, um, losing track of time. But we came back and we're in, um, yeah, I've got a, we've got a little study up the, up the attic. So uh, this is where we come to get all the, all the stuff, bits and pieces like that done and um, hide away. And I can, I can hide away from my two and a half year old running around the, running around the house, which is quite nice. All right, I love the way you're saying that. You've got one kid that's two and a half. Uh, Jim's got four. And he's got twins <laughs> twins that are two and a half. I've got twins that are two and a half as well. So imagine your pain. Times it by four for Jim and times it by two for me. It's brutal, isn't it? <laughs> but you're keeping it real with the Addy stash on. You're keeping the sponsors happy as well. Yeah, absolutely. Well, like I said, I've just got to keep providing for the little ones. So um, it's, uh, it's it's been good. Addy are great, to be fair. It's been awesome. They looked after me my whole career and... Um, uh, thought, I, thought I'd chuck it out and, and, and get a bit of promotion for them. Mate, definitely, mate. I was sponsored by Gilbert. I don't know if you, you saw me playing back in the day, but um, <laughs> yeah. mate, it weren't bad. Mate, it was, genuinely, I got about 75 quid a game and uh, <laughs> that's when I was playing for Scotland. <laughs> so not too bad, very similar. Uh, Dan, what I wanted to chat to you about was, um, because you, you, you're not ma- massively active on social media. Are you on social media? No, no, no I'm not, find I'm you. not actually at all. No, it's, uh, why? Tell us why well, then about just, that it's, first. It's just quite, it's quite nice to, to not worry about after games that you see you see so many of the boys just scrolling through their phones after games and on their phones for half an hour an hour afterwards reading all the comments and things like that and and I was when I was younger but and, and it, it did sort of you know it does affect you and it does knock your confidence and things like that but I thought first for me it was easier to, to not be on there take myself away from it and and just worry about what my coaches and family and, and people like that say really rather than get myself down for hours after games on it. Well, I'll tell you what, mate, do not go on YouTube then and have a look at the Rugby Pod with some of the stuff that I'm saying because some <laughs> of the comments are horrendous. I've only seen them this week. Uh, but anyway, but what I did want to ask you was uh, was about training, right? So Owen Farrell, of all people, has started posting a few things. I know he's doing a lot of charity stuff for Duchenne and uh, so he's had to be more active. So we've seen him kicking at goal or you know, kicking in the fields or whatever. How does a player like yourself who needs to be good at everything, so it's not like a prop who can be doing a load of weight training yeah, in his yeah. garden, how does someone like you with your passing, your kicking and all them ones stay active in that, in that space? Well, well, I've actually, it's actually been, well, I say good and bad, really, because I've had a little bit of a, a knee injury, which I did, uh, well, the week, uh, the, the week before the England game in the Six Nations. So I've, I've actually been doing quite a lot of rehab on that, which has actually limited how much kicking I can do. So 
Uh, I actually, I actually haven't kicked a huge amount in the last sort of seven or eight weeks because I'm trying to just give that a chance to settle down and and get back fit and and focus on that because it's it's just so difficult not being able to have access to physios to have access to to gym equipment and and even though you you know I've got some weights and and things at home which we which we've been given it's it's just not the same as when you go into a a gym and you need your rehab and you're, you're doing bits and pieces like that so I've I've been doing plenty of plenty of weights it may not it may not be showing in my upper body but um, <laughs> I, I've been doing a fair bit of weights and rehab and uh, and keeping passing going I'm doing lots of passing actually lots of ball work in between my rehab stations and uh, and upper body weights so it's it's like I said it's been it's been difficult and speaking to a lot of the lads it's it's come across how I think how much the structure of of a rugby player sort of sort of means to to you and I'm sure you guys will have come across this when you finish playing is you're so on the clock you know that you've got to be in weights at eight o'clock then you've got breakfast at nine o'clock and team meeting at ten whatever it is your whole day and your whole week is mapped out for you whereas here I I find I I mean I'm I'm kind of a guy who I only I'm not a, a brilliant trainer in terms of the physical stuff and things I love team training but I'm not a massive sort of physical trainer. And the only reason I'm, I do that is for a game on a Saturday. So for me, at the minute, the motivation for, for physically training is, is quite difficult um, because there obviously are no games on a Saturday at the minute. But um, I'm, I'm actually quite enjoying, you know, when I was at the start anyway, I was enjoying the, the, the sort of the freedom it allowed you and, and everything like that. But the biggest thing I think I'm missing at the minute is that real sort of structure and and you know, knowing that you've got to get somewhere to train and, and things like that, that's the biggest thing I'm missing. Mate, it's great to hear another international legendary fly half like my good self who wasn't into the physical either. I, I mean, I didn't, didn't do a lot of it on myself, but that's a different story maybe. But uh, one of the things that you mentioned then was your knee injury um, that you picked up the week before the Wales game. We'll go into some depth later on about your career and, and Saints and all that stuff. But uh, Jim might have a bit of an apology to make here because um, he was saying there was absolutely no chance that you were going to be fit for that England game. He was calling you Lazarus and all this stuff. Um, <laughs> and we're we're big fans of you on the rugby pod here. And I, I remember you said hello to me in Dublin uh, when I came to do yeah. a game for Saints. So, yeah, that made me feel good. But Jim, what have you got to say about that then? Because I think you owe Dan an apology for, for basically saying there was no way he was ever going to be fit for that England-Wales game, don't you? I, well, I should say I am sorry, but I was watching the game. I was good. I wanted you to be fit, so I was more annoyed. And we spoke about it, and we can maybe talk about it as well. Having to play in their fallow weeks—that that, you know—that's part of the deal that you signed up to course, with yeah. Northampton. Oh, you'd have been, your money would have been quite safe, I'd imagine, if you saw me trying to run on Tuesday and Wednesday of the week of the England game. I, I wasn't in particularly good shape. I didn't do. I, I trained on. When did I train? I must have trained Friday morning. I did. I did. It literally was the dream. It was literally team run and play. That's all you need, so, right? Yeah. <laughs> so um, I, I didn't kick. I didn't do. I literally did nothing all week and, and trained on the Friday. And I, I, like I said, I just wasn't. I wasn't quite right really all week. But like I said, amazing. To be fair, the medical staff we got uh, with Wales and uh, in particular with Prav. Um, Athema was brilliant, absolutely top draw, got me through that week um, and started bandaging me up and painkiller up and things. But going back to your, your point on, on playing in the fallow weeks, it is, it is something that you as, you know, us as, as sort of certainly as Welsh players playing in the Prem, you have to, you have to sort of, you, you just got to front up really and get on with it. You can't, that's what you signed up for. You, you were happy to sign the deal at the time when it was offered to you. So you can't then say, well, I'm not, I'm not really fancying it this week. And, and, and in fairness to Northampton, they've been brilliant with me in terms of 
you know, speaking to me and just just touching base with me and how my how my body is and how I'm feeling and if I felt like I needed a game on, and things like that. But but ultimately, they'd be really really good for me. So um, and and also as well, I, I really enjoy playing for Northampton. It's not people. Some people some people sort of look at it as a bit of a drudge and you've got to you know get yourself back up the the motorway and and or whatever it is. But for me, it's you know, it's 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 a, it's a real honour sort of playing for Northampton anyway, and I and I love playing for them. So it's not like it's a it's a it's an effort for me at all. It's it's just a game of rugby, and ultimately that's that's, that's what you get paid to do. You, you know, that's those are your employers. So if they if they decide you're playing on a Saturday, then you're playing on a Saturday. Yeah, well, it seems a little bit more for you as well. Like you said, you've probably properly embedded yourself in Northampton, maybe an easier club with Chris Boyd with Vesti there as well. But a question and. I know a lot of the Welsh players as well. Um, I'm trying to think of many success stories where Welsh players have left Wales and they've thrived in their environment yeah. because what you hear is is that they're desperate to get home the whole time. So wherever they go, they're always desperate to get home. Why is that? Why, why is there such, not a difficulty is the wrong word, but why do we not see as many success stories, you think, as yourself? I think they miss the rain, don't they? <laughs> Yeah, well, I can assure you we get plenty of rain in Northampton. There's no doubt about that. Um, it's a really good question because, like you said, a lot of boys who have, who have gone, I mean, you look at sort of some of the, you know, look at sort of Jamie Roberts, for example, you know, he absolutely loved the, the lifestyle in Paris and embedded himself into the, the culture and the lifestyle of Paris. But still playing international rugby can sort of have an effect or whether they think, whether the club think you're not quite putting it in for your your club and you're more concerned about being fit for internationals and and things like that and like you like you mentioned Chris Boyd's made it really easy for for me in particular in in Northampton he's made life just a breeze really you know he he works you absolutely you know really really hard you you know you don't get you don't get an easy ride off him but but if you put it in for him and you and you, you you sort of put it in for the club then you get a fair bit back and you get looked after so I think I think that's as as Welsh people everyone's we all, we all quite like being in our comfort zone and, and being close to home and being being able to sort of go to your, you know, your, your mum's for Sunday dinner or whatever it is and, and stuff like that. And I think even though even though a lot of boys have, have gone, um, I think I think a lot of boys have have probably found the the culture side quite good, but I've found the, probably the rugby side quite frustrating in terms of certainly boys who, who went to France particularly. But I, I think it's just the Welsh the Welsh just sort of. Just love being at home. There's, there's always sort of whenever some of the boys are out of contract and they, they all keep saying, oh, well, you know, I may be moving here or maybe moving here. And all the boys are just around the dinner table saying, you ain't going anywhere other than the West Wales. So, <laughs> I mean, they're trying, to, they're trying to play the clubs off and you're just like, you are not going anywhere. The club know it, we know it, you know it. So um, it's just one of those things. I think the lads just like being at home. And, uh, and, and in fairness to Wales, certainly now that the lads get looked after pretty well in terms of, you know, managing the game time and, and things like that, which, which in actual fact, something for me wouldn't suit me that much. I, I, I would hate to be, and I'm good, I, know, I don't know what you were like, but I'd hate to be in the team, as, certainly as a 10, I'd hate to be in the team a couple of weeks, then have a couple of weeks off. I feel like if you're the, if you're the 10 and you're the, you're the guy running the show, you need to be there as often as you can in terms of week in, week out and stamping your authority and being the guy that people look to rather than 
swapping and changing between people and the team not quite sure who to who to look to. Matt, I said the same at Saracens though. I know you're going to jump in, Goody, but I was telling them I had to play week in, week out. For the A-team um, on a Monday night, Jim, you did, yeah. <laughs> they completely disagreed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you did, right. A 10, a 10 is the fulcrum of the team, isn't it? Certainly in attack. You wouldn't ever see me on a Monday morning doing the fitness sessions and leading those ones, but when it came to team on Friday, I was a right hero. But um, let's talk about your time at Saints then because um, obviously Jim and I have quite a few links there. We both played with Sam Vesti. Um, we could tell you some serious stories on him but perhaps we won't because he's your coach and you've got to respect him his nickname wasn't Knob Cheese it was called Knob Cheese his nickname um, <laughs> but uh, I also was coached and had the privilege really of being co- coached by Boydie at, at the Sharks in Super Rugby oh really uh, I didn't realise you were there yeah, when yeah he, he, probably, he probably hasn't mentioned it because I was shit but um, <laughs> <laughs> he was he's a great coach and he thinks outside the box and he settled into premiership life and made that change because a lot of Kiwi coaches don't make that transition very well. How, how much have you enjoyed working with him? Yeah, I mean, I mean, like you say, if you, you worked with him, he's he's as good a man manager as as I've come across by a by a country mile in terms of understands what his players need, understands what the the club and the and the environment needs, and and he's just brought a really good sort of feel good factor to the place. And you know, it's no secret to know that maybe the the, the club or the the, the league position and, and, and everything had started to slide maybe in the in the couple of years before Boydie arrived. And I think just just what he's done is he's brought a real a real energy to the place, um, knows the game inside out, knows how he wants to play. He's not, you know, you look at the way the Hurricanes played to, to the way we play, it's it's very, very similar and we're not going to be the type of team to to maul you and and dominate territory and, and things like that. We're looking to, to to keep the ball alive, play to space, and and use use the ball as much as we can. So um, yeah, for, for me, he's been he's really brought feels like he's brought my game on a huge amount. And and what he's done, he's he's provided a chance to young, hungry, homegrown sort of English guys, and uh, and they've absolutely grabbed their chance. A, a load of them up there at the minute. We might jump onto that in a minute, but I just want to say that when I played under Boydie, I was his taxi driver as well, so he lived near me. So the only way I was getting picked was if I gave him a lift home <laughs> from training. But um, have you got anything specific that you're close to him about? Do you um, you sit and analyse the games together a lot? Yeah, I mean, he's, do, he's, do, he's do you bring him an he, apple? <laughs> what he's really good at, actually, is we have like little cell group meetings. So as a, as a nine and, and a ten... Uh, the centres will have one, the, the line-out callers will have, you know, so every you know, the whole the whole sort of team is broken down into little mini groups and the the morning of the team run, we'll sit, we'll sit down and we'll talk about sometimes nothing to do with the game, sometimes it'll be sort of who's your, um, you know, if you were, if you were going to pick a World 15 now, who would you pick in it? If you were going to pick uh, a guy from the, the, the past 10 years or who you, when you were growing up and and what, what's quite nice from, obviously I said you're Goody as well. Thanks, thanks, mate. So, yeah, thanks, mate. Um, that, that goes without saying, so I didn't even need to mention that. Um, but but what, what, it, what he's really, I just think what he's really good at is he, he knows when to, when to push and when to keep, on, put, keep his foot on the throttle in terms of, you know, rugby, 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 and when he needs to just sort of come away and, and talk to you about uh, cricket or, or, or whatever it is, or, or, or ex-players and, and things like that, and and what he's been, what's been brilliant for me is that I think he he appreciates that, you know, as a, as a, as as with any international player, your workload is is obviously, if it's a long season and and your workload is 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 pretty high. So, what he said to me is he just said, even though, you know, I'm expect I I want and I'm expected to play pretty much week in week out, he said to me, look, he's he calls me in the office and he says, look, let's look at, let's map out a schedule. Let's look at when there's a potential for a few days off just to freshen yourself up or, or when there's a chance to get a week off or whatever. And, um, 
you know, he's, he's not he's not precious about it. He's he's quite happy to have an open conversation and uh, with all the lads. But just from my experience, that that makes a huge difference. You know, just allowing yourself a few days to freshen up, get away, maybe get some sun, refresh, and and come back and. Um, and sort of be be ready to go for for Monday when you get back in. He sounds brilliant, to be fair. And producer Tim found a, a statement that Chris Boyd made about your good self, and it's quite prevalent, really, if we've been watching the Last Dance. But he compares you to Michael Jordan, and I didn't know this; I've just seen this. And now, what? And uh, I know so it's a huge statement. <laughs> I want to. I tell you what, though, having watched that Last Dance documentary has made me question a lot of things that, and how I went about my career yeah. like one of the things being a, a lot of the times and we've spoken a lot about Owen Farrell I'm sure you two are very similar characters in terms of the standards you expect of the players it's made me question actually what I valued in people and what I valued in teammates um, but we won't delve into it now but in terms of that kind of statement why do you think he says something like that I know it's a huge statement yeah. but what kind of uh, characteristics do you think that he sees in you I mean I think I know what they are having played against you but maybe watching the way that you go about your business on, on the field. Firstly, have any of the lads given you any shit for it? Uh, no, nothing yet, actually. I think being in lockdown has probably helped me with that statement. But um, <laughs> I've got a few old pairs of trainers in the garage, but I don't reckon they'll sell for as much as the Air Jordans did. So um, I, I could be, if, if that was true, that would be very handy. But um, I, I just think I've, I've actually watched, I've only watched the first episode of, of that series, actually, with, um, I've had a huge amount of, Surprisingly enough, a massive amount of chance to, to watch it at the minute. But um, I, I, I think it's just making sure that there's we're, we're quite a young side in Northampton and we've got absolutely, what we've got is tons of skill, tons of energy, tons of hunger. And I think what we've got actually probably as a, as a core of our team, as you look at maybe, you know, someone like when, when, when Dylan was still playing, you had, you had Dills, you had Courtney Laws in the second row, you had, you know, Cobus at nine, myself at 10. So... As a spine of the team, we had quite good experienced players in that, and it was—I suppose—it was down to us to to just drive the the standards, and, you know, drive what is expected of a of a, a twenty twenty one year old coming into the team, and and what what you can expect from from games. And um, I suppose the, probably the the biggest thing is is just that standards driving really in terms of training. It's we get looked after extremely well by by Northampton, and I think the, the I, I think that the least we can do is when we rock up to training and, and when we when we when we when we're in match mode and, and training mode that that's that's everything. That's all we should be worrying about. Yes, we have a laugh. Yes, we have good fun because that that comes pass and parcel with it. But I, I just think maybe the that that sort of leadership in a, in quite a young group and and a and a, a perhaps an inexperienced group as a whole probably just. Um, you know, because there's a lot of people in meetings. You know, you know what it's like. You, you, you guys have been there, where you, you generally have quite similar voices speaking in meetings because a lot of the boys aren't quite comfortable in, in speaking up, or or they think if they speak up that the coach is going to think you know wrong of them, which is which is absolutely the opposite, isn't it? But um, I think that the confidence that I've got in my ability to be able to, to speak up and, and say what what I feel and, and what standards I expect and and I suppose that comes down from me individually. I want to, I want to win for Northampton Saints naturally, but I want to win for myself as well. And I think you, you've got to have that almost selfish streak in you. And I feel like like, like that's a really important part of of my uh, my career to date. Is I've always wanted the teams to do well in obviously, obviously that I played in. But from a selfish point of view, you always want to be 
involved in the games you do well in or you always want to be playing big parts in it. So um, perhaps th- those are the those are the ones for me which have which have stood out. One of the big things hearing you talk about that, um, I know you're a fierce competitor having played against you and um, you know we, we work in the media now and seeing how much you compete on the field for every little play, every inch of the field. Um, you know, sometimes people will think that your behaviour, perhaps, shall we say, when you're talking to referees, you quest- people will question that. But that sounds like it's coming from a good place, a competitive place, as opposed to yeah. a place where some people, if you're on social media, some people might portray it in a bad light. I think for you and for me watching you, it seems like you're always just trying to win and that sometimes yeah. spills over. Are you conscious of that as a as a player? Um, I, I am conscious of it, naturally. Um, <laughs> hasn't done me much good being conscious of it, but... Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think the the biggest thing for me is I, I sometimes right I, I, in in some games I've I've been so conscious of really just trying to just be really intrinsic and just keeping everything in and things like that and I always find that I'm never quite at the same I, I never quite feel like I'm at the same level and and everything that you know because sometimes I feel like if a referee decision goes against us is because I want that decision and because I think we heard that decision or. You know, if if there's an out and out decision which is can't be argued, then I'm not I'm not gonna you're not gonna argue it or you're not gonna question it and you're not gonna fight for it sort of thing. But if there's one which is on the border which you think well it, it looks pretty obvious to, from our end or or we want that or we need it. I suppose it's just trying to fight for it and and, and naturally you've got to be. I think I've I've probably got to be a bit more uh, streetwise in how I go about it. But I, I feel like like you said, Judy, it's not it's not through anything other than just that will to want to win and get every decision and every play of the ball right and, and things like that. So um, I think in the next three or four years when I retire, I think a few referees will be quite happy. But um, uh, it's certainly, you know, and, and, and the big thing is, I think if, if that was the case, when you know, when you see them after the game and you have, a, you have a beer with them after the game and, you know, you have a laugh about it. And um, I always remember Wayne Barnes after one game. He's And, and Barnes is brilliant, to be fair. He's one of the best around and, uh, I think what what they someone like him and, and what Nigel Owens and things have in in in, in abundance and, and naturally when they they've got more experience so they can they can stamp their authority in better ways but they they're quite happy to have open have an open conversation with you and I think referees or, or officials who are like that get a lot better out of players you never quite see it as as bad from players because they're happy to engage in the conversation. You may not always agree with them, but they'll just say, look, this is the way I saw it. I see it and, and, and go from there. Whereas others who, who perhaps won't even engage in a conversation or, or talk to you, and that's, and that's part and parcel of where the frustration comes from, really. But naturally, I've got to, you've, got to, you've got to ultimately respect them and, and get on with it. But it's, it's certainly through uh, a good place rather than just just wanting to, to have a go at, at, at them sort of thing. Trust me, referees like you more when you've retired. I've found that out personally <laughs> myself. Um, my favourite one, though, before Jim jumps in, my favourite one was when you boot, I think you called a mark. Was it against France? And then you hoofed the ball and they hadn't yeah, moved yeah, and it, yeah. right, it hit them right up the arse. And I don't like the French, so well done to you. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it just shows you the difference though, doesn't it? So Dan's talking about that. And I, I'd be telling, because I was vice-captain, I don't know if you knew that, I was vice-captain yeah. for 10 years for Scotland and uh, <laughs> a captain for Gloucester. Lies. My, my big thing was just keep it under 50 points. And if we did, we could go out. <laughs> now, watching the Last Dance documentary, listening to you speak, maybe I went about my career wrong and that Gilbert deal that I had might have turned into an Adidas deal. But um, <laughs> anyway, hindsight's a great, hindsight's a great thing um it's great to hear you talk about Northampton let's talk a little bit about Wales then 
huge changes. I know the Six Nations, I mean, it only just got started before it got stopped in its tracks. Uh, Warren Gatland and the void that he's left, uh, we all know what he did for Wales and we know that Pivac coming in, it's going to take a a bit of time to adjust. You being a senior player, uh, one of the most experienced players in that team, how difficult is the transition going to be with them changes? Warren Gatlin at the helm, the situation around Rob Howley, which we now have a little bit more context to, we've seen in the media, which was a fantastic interview, to be fair. But a lot of changes in Wales. How do you see that kind of evolving? Yeah, I think, again, it's like, like you mentioned, it was always going to be, it's, it was always going to be a tough ask for, for somebody coming in after what sort of Gats achieved and, and the coaching staff achieved there. But, but I think what Wayne, what Wayne has done is he's instilled a real confidence in the in the lads to go out and play. Now, the way we probably play under Wayne is is going to be different to the to the to the way we played under uh, with Gats. But I think what we've got at the minute is we've got a team which, you know, barring perhaps a couple of a couple of elder players, are going to be together for the next you know certainly for the next four years until the next World Cup cycle. So, is it important to win every Test match you play? Yes, naturally, is it is it important to play well? Of course it is. But I think what we'll be allowed is a little bit of time to just adjust to systems, adjust to the way Wayne likes to run sessions, the way that we're what we're asked to do as players, which which may be slightly different to what to what Gats has asked us to do. And it's exciting. It's really as exciting times in Wales with the talent we've got to choose from. But but like you said, I think we, you know we weren't a million miles away in in, in the Six Nations. We were we were a couple of games away from you know Ireland. We were we were well and truly beat France. Probably should have gone our way. We were a bit unlucky in that game, and, and England was wasn't a huge amount in it, even though they probably took their foot off the gas in in that last fifteen minutes. But the, the, I think the, what's pleasing for us and the way we play is that it, it will create opportunities for us to score points, and I think. The more obviously, the more points we score, the, the better chance we're going to be in with winning games. And, and it was, it was. Now you mentioned that it was very similar to when I started the season with uh, with Northampton. In terms of, you know, we, we I think we won two out of the first six or seven games uh, in our first uh, in our first uh, bit, opening bit of the, the Premiership season. And you know, what you could see was there were signs of us to playing well signs that the way we were playing was positive and, and everything, but we just needed a bit of time together. And what you saw by the end, you know, certainly after Christmas in um, with Northampton, is that the longer we had together, the longer that Chris and Sam got to implement their, their philosophies, their sessions and everything, by the time sort of, you know, the spring came and, and the good weather came, we were absolutely flying by that stage and, and made the playoffs and, and had a really good run. So I think that's what, what will be the same with Wales in the way that Wayne and Steve, uh, Steve Jones in particular, will want to implement that. They'll want to win every game they play, naturally, as we all would, but they appreciate that probably it's going to take a little bit of time and, and who knows what's going to happen with the season. But if you, know, if you can get large periods of time together where you're playing lots of games on the bounce and having lots of weeks training and, and lots of meetings and things like that, then I think it's really exciting times for us in Wales. Oh, obviously, Jim mentioned Rob Howley then and there was a big piece uh, in the press over the weekend about um, his bands coming to an end. How good would it be for you, uh, as someone who's worked closely with Rob for uh, quite some time, to see him back in the game in a coaching capacity? Yeah, I think, like you say, it's been well documented how what what Rob has has gone through, and uh, it would just be. I think I think what Rob never got the the full um, the full appreciation, certainly in Wales, for what he achieved. He he worked as hard as anyone in terms of in terms of on analysis, in terms of. Uh, looking at ways that we can improve and, and different things, and 
Um, it, yeah, I think I think his his rugby mind is is going to be benefit beneficial to to anyone who can snap him up. There's no doubt about that. And I think you know if he can get back sooner rather than later, I think that would be great for him, and it'd be great to see him back. Absolutely. Yeah, I never know. He may, wherever he ends up, be in, if I'm if I'm still hanging about in like four years' time or something, he may he may just offer me a contract to finish me <laughs> up, finish my finish my career with or something. So I better keep him on side. Yeah, good stuff. And then last thing I just want to ask you about, just going back to Northampton, and I don't know whether you saw this perhaps because you were probably playing, but the game, Sam Vesti's obviously a, a good mate of mine and, and Jim's, we played with him. We have a lot of fun speaking about him and talking to him. He's a brilliant coach and he's making huge strides in that. Um, how much abuse did the players give him about when he got caught picking his nose and eating it on BT Sport? <laughs> yeah. That was um, hanging, right? Yeah, he took a fair bit of stick for that, to be fair. He's... Um... <laughs> <laughs> Well, what's that? Sam's brilliant, actually. I mean, you guys know him better, probably better than me, but his hygiene is questionable. So, the boys, the boys, still, the boys, the boys give him a bit of stick. But what he, but what he is, he's um, again similar to you know a lot of the coaches at the minute. He's he's as energetic and is uh, just just loves the game of rugby, doesn't he? In terms of um, wants to find ways to get better. Uh, makes if he certainly feels like I feel like I'm a better player every day I go in. Um, and I think the biggest compliment I could give him for the way I, I found him is that I've, I feel like I'm a, a 20, 21-year-old going in every day, wanting to improve, wanting to get better, not sort of standing still and thinking, okay, well, this is what I'm good at. And, you know, I'll just stick to this for the last you know, four or five years of my career. He's, he's made me appreciate the small details that go into skills. The way that we want to play, obviously, is, is great for me and developing my game. But... Um, and he's also, I don't, I don't know what he was like when, he, when you guys knew him, but he's quite funny because you have, you, you know, we have a meeting on, you know, before training or whatever in the morning. And he's the most cool, calm, calculated guy in the room. He's literally sort of going through, right, you know, if, if, if the ball goes down or, you know, if someone makes an error, just stay nice and calm. Don't worry about it. Let's not get on each other's backs and relax and, and be positive. I can guarantee you the first ball that goes down, he's at the back of the, tra- the training ground, absolutely bollocking someone, absolutely bollocking. And the boys are just laughing because it's just like every meet that he's like, stay calm, stay focused. And, and they've got him at the back, just rifling someone. I mean, how yeah. high pitched is his voice as well when he screams? He's like, a, <laughs> yeah. he's like your two and a half year old kid, isn't he? Yeah, he's great. And in all seriousness, he's been great. He's been great for, uh, for myself, for a lot of the younger guys there. I think he's made a huge, huge difference. And I always, I always remember, um, I always remember when Chris, I sat down with Chris when he came over and he said what he was looking to do was he went around and asked all the, all the guys in the, in the rugby environment in England, he said, What's, who's the best young English coach because he wanted to get him and whoever it was, he, Chris was going to try and get him and, and a, lot of, a lot of the guys came back with Sam and um, I think, you know, luckily for, for us and, and for me, it's, it's worked out really well that, that we did a, did a really good job of getting him. He definitely did. I'm just glad he's he got brought back down to earth after eating that bogey, the bogey monster, because he was he he was flying. Everyone was talking about him being the next England coach after that gig. So I'm happy he got caught doing that. And he's got he's got really red balls as well, hasn't he, Jim? I, I, well, I should know. It was dark most of the time, but yeah. All right, Dan. Hey, thank you very much for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. Uh, best of luck with the rehab for the injury, and uh, of course with the rest of the season whenever that starts back up. Brilliant. Thanks. I really enjoyed it. Cheers, Dan. Yeah, cheers, Dan. Thanks for coming on, mate. That was class, mate. Appreciate it. All the best. Stay safe. Cheers, mate. What a legend. How good was that? I'm a bit of a fanboy with him, I'll be honest. Um, I am. He's he's never even looked at me. He's never. Well, he might have looked at me. Um, He might look at me now. He he, Um, he didn't play 18 rugby on a Monday night, mate. 
But I didn't play 18 rugby, mate. Oh, okay. I didn't play okay. 18 rugby. So There's nothing uh, wrong with it. How well does he speak? I tell you what, yeah. it's a real shame that he's not on social media. Not that being on social media is a thing, but it is kind of a thing. Um, but it's interesting because you digging into the psyche, and obviously we talked about the positives in terms of Chris Boyd and him comparing him to Michael Jordan, which is probably the biggest st- statement any coach could make about his current player. Um how the next contract that <laughs> comes yeah, around yeah. it might have a, a, um, an extra zero maybe even two zeros we don't even know but um man i think he's been an absolute pleasure to have in the prem the premiership being the big competition that you know ourselves talk about on the rugby pod because not many jamie roberts he spoke about him but not many other players come to a different country and do what he's done in terms of the the, the level of output that he puts out on the field not just from a physical point of view but you heard him speak about it there but just mentally how engaged he is in the team and and winning I think on that point and he's as a Welshman I'd say the probably the hardest club to have gone to would have been Northampton with the history behind George North because I think some of the Saints fans thought they perhaps didn't get the value out of George North that they'd have liked at times with injuries and um, you know obviously going back to play for Wales. Whereas Dan Big has gone to the nth degree and he's doing everything he can. He wants to play week in week out for them. They're getting every buck they're paying for him or every pound they're paying for Dan Bigger. They're getting their value. So what a great bloke! And I actually messaged Tim this morning to say. I'm a bit of a fanboy as well. Uh, Dan Bigger, you know, I've always respected him, always loved him as a player. Uh, he said hello to me in Dublin when I was doing some work for Channel 4. And um, yeah, what mate, what a bloke. What a bloke. Right, it's time for another quarantine quiz. But we're going to try something a little different this week to mix things up. We've picked a game from a few years ago and you each have to name players who played that day one after the other until one of you gets it wrong. Do you get it? I'll get it, yeah. I'll get it. What game is it, though? And then I'll be able to tell you if I, do, if I will get it or not. Well, it's the only international fixture that you both played in against each other. Yes! England v. Scotland oh. 2009. <laughs> yes, it was about 50, wasn't it? It was 40. So that, 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 they're the details, mate. It was 40-odd, mate. I, all I know is that I was out, so I know it weren't 50. All right, who wants to go first? Just name a player. Name a player, and we keep, you keep going backwards and forwards until someone gets one wrong. Goody can go first. Hey. It was his England at home, so he can okay, go first. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. it's anyone from the match day 23? Yeah. Andy Goode. Jim Vice Captain Hamilton. Were you Vice Captain? Probably. Oh, shit. Uh, Mike Tyndall. Simon Taylor. Um, I'm getting the nod, mate. I'm getting the nod. I know that's his last game because he retired on his stool. Oh, yeah. Line that's goes up. Yeah, yeah Line goes up, mate, and he'd had enough, mate. He didn't want it. Uh, Toby Flood started at 10. Oh, mate, I don't even know, you know. I'm going to really struggle with this. Ross Ford. That's a yes. Thumbs up from producer Tim. It's the thumbs up. Mark Cueto. Jeez, I don't even know. Alan Jacobson. Oh, it's a no! In the match day 23. So, I I couldn't have got many more anyway. I don't even know. I blanked them days out. So that's a win to me, is it? It's a win to Goody. A fluke. That's another 100 quid to the NHS. That's... I think that's eight hundred pounds euro now, mate. It's eight hundred, mate. Eight hundred of the best pounds I've ever spent. Yes, James. Yes, James. Right, it's time for your feature now, isn't it, Jim? And and you've got a sponsor on board for Jim will solve it now, haven't you? 
Yes, I have Andy Rowe. It's our good friends at Budgie Smuggler. Summer is coming. Um, sun's out. Gun, I mean, uh, guns out. Guns. And uh, yeah, Budgie Smuggler, friends of the show. We love them. They love us. Do you love them? You do if you've got an ordinary rig or a shit rig or a good rig. So yeah, we all love them because we all fit into them categories. Yeah, talking about Budgie Smuggler, I'm, I just had a thought. Should I get a pair of budgies and put them over my Lycra for when I'm cycling so they can just see like some sponsorship on the back of my ass as I'm going up the hill? No, 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 no. I think if you do a video of you wearing budgies, then putting your licra over the top, and then putting that on social media, it will go viral. I'm telling you now. <laughs> do it. Just head to budgiesmugglerukcom to check out their full range of men's, women's, and kids smugglers, including the new Northampton Saints smugglers. They also have face masks available in their spicy smuggling designs. If you enter the exclusive code PODPODPOD, You'll get free shipping too, so just head to budgiesmuggleruk.com to check out what's on offer there. All right, you ready for this, Jimbo? Matt, I'm ready for this. Yeah, so big thanks to Budgie Smuggler yet again, and it's my time. It's the time. It's Jim will solve it. Yes. Get it? So you're going to give me a riddle, and I'm going to solve it like I do every single week. The one that's still got me is the horse that's called Sunday. Who's called Sunday? But anyway, that's old news. Riddle me this, lads. Riddle me that. Jim will solve it. Back. Hit me. Yes. Which word is the odd one out? 70, brawl, clover, proper, carrot, swing, change, travel, sacred, stone. Which word is the odd one out? 70, brawl, Clover, proper, carrot, swing, change, travel, sacred, and stone. This is a tough one, Jim. I can't work this out yet. Well, mate, you've, what do you mean? This, you've, only had, you've only had it for five seconds. So I wouldn't expect you to work it out. Which one is the odd one out? So 70 is a number, right? But brawl, clover, proper, carrot, stone. So it's not a number, right? So, oh, it could be. Brawl. Scrappy dappy do. Swinger. Sacred. Travel. You can't do that. Change. We've all seen that. Ah, oh, is this something to do with the pandemic or not? Yeah, I think it might be. I think this is to do with the pandemic. Which one, which word is the odd one out? 70. So I feel 70 years old. Brawl. I feel like fighting at home. Clover. Maybe. Proper board. Yep. Carrot. Toes. Yeah, that's what my toenails look like. Swing. Uh, yeah, I feel like swinging. That no, as in throwing, throwing punches. Oh, Change. Checking, yeah. Change. Because we're in this situation now. So it's, a, it's all Change. Travel, because we can't do that anymore. Sacred, which you can basically change the C and the A round, which means scared, so I'll have that. Stone. So stone could be the odd one out then. I'm trying to work out what's odd about it. I think I've got it. No, I haven't. I'm, I'm trying to look if like there's a letter or something missing from it, which in, my, in the first instance to me was B. So it was brawl. But then I realized that actually um, there's a few different letters that aren't missed out from it. Oh, hold on a minute, Jim. What? I have it. Yeah, I'm sure you do. No, no, I have it. It's off the back of you just using your own initiative. What did you just say? I said there's a letter. So that, so, so there's a letter in there. Right, I've been looking at this. I'll help you out here. I've been looking at this and those words have no relevance to any sentence, no to each other, to any sentence. So they can't, it can't be on the word. But when you said letter, oh, Oh, when I said letter. When you said letter. Oh, all right. 
Give me another hint. That ain't give me shit. <laughs> <laughs> if you change a couple of letters in each word, what happens? What do you mean if I change a couple of letters? Well, I can't. I can't really give you any more information than that than give you the answer. Okay. Think. Just think about a rave, Jim. Think about a rave and then look at the word bra. All I'm seeing is bra in brawl. Bra. Oh. So you know, keep ticking along. You're on the right lines. That's not correct, but keep ticking along. So what did you do with the word brawl to get bra? I took away W and L. Taking away one of those letters would be the right thing to do, but you need to take away another letter, not the W. I mean, I can't make it any simpler now, can I? You, you, you were so close, Jim. Genuinely. Really? Yeah. So taking away letters out of that. So to Evan, I'm, I, I genuinely fucking don't know. It does me add in. What's going on? Right, so go to brawl. Yeah. And yeah, you, go to brawl, yeah. And you got bra. Yeah. Okay, so you took out the L and the W. Oh, wait there. Okay, wait there. Wait, yeah, yeah. L and the W, yeah. So take out the L, leave in the W, but then take out another letter. And what do you get? This is you, mate. This is a word that they could describe you as. Legend. Oh, no, no. <laughs> so take away the L. Yeah. And what's left? This is this is where I feel more pressure is when like people are trying to walk me through it. <laughs> so take Braw, a- braw, braw. Right, right. So you, is that a word, braw? No, it's not. No, raw's a word though. Oh! Raw. That could be, you could be described as raw, couldn't you? Yeah, of course, yeah. Okay, so which word is the odd one out? So you've got raw, love, <gasps> rope. Oh, he's getting it. Rot. Hey. <laughs> rot. Yeah, it's in carrot, uh-huh. rot. Oh, uh, right, yeah. Wing. Cha, cha, cha. Right, so, so help me out again. What did you do to the word brawl to get raw? I took away B and L. So I'm trying to find out now which which word doesn't have another word in it. That's what I'm trying to do. Oh, right. Okay, yeah. Right, yeah. Right. And there's no okay. there's no reason behind taking away those specific letters. Ah, oh, I've got it. Go on. So you take away the first letter of all of them. So you've got seven in that. You've got raw in that. You've got love, rope, rot, <laughs> wing, <laughs> and ravel, red. Well, you just said ravel. What, did I, what, what word did I use earlier? What do you mean? What did I say to you earlier? What do you like doing? You like a... Uh, rave. Mm, right. And right, you, but, yeah. you, but you just said ravel. Yeah. So if you put rave into that word that you changed to ravel, what did you do? I took away the T and the L. Which are what letters? T and L. You know, yes. But it, what order were those letters that you took out? The first and the last. Hey, oh, my gosh. Hold on. Hold on. Edge of your seat stuff here, ladies and gentlemen, listening to Jim Hamilton. His brain is ticking over. Go, Got it. Th- go, go through them from the start, Jim. 70. 70 is the odd one out. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> no. Tell me then. No. So we're trying to work out which is the which is the odd one odd one out. Now we're trying to break it down, and we're on the dance floor, and we are literally sweating like a wildebeest here. <laughs> so, so you've said you took the first and the last letter off travel to get rave. Yes. Go from the top, Jim. From the top. Okay. So if you do seventy, so seventy. If you do seventy, you take away S and Y. You've got event. Right? Yes. Yes. Okay. So brawl, you take away B and L. You've got raw. Yes. Clover, you take C and R away. You've got love. Yes. 
proper, you take away P and I, you've got rope. Yes. Carrot, you take away K and T, and you've got arrow. Hold on, carrot starts with a K. <laughs> <laughs> so carrot, you've got. Carrot, you've carrot, carrot, hold on. Carrot starts so, with a K. There's no K. So you've got. <laughs> so you've got. <laughs> so you've got. <laughs> ca- hang on. <laughs> hang on. So you've got. So it is carrot. So it is carrot. <laughs> oh. Oh, so it's, it's carrot though, isn't it? <laughs> it's carrot, right? It's carrot it's because carrot. you take away the K and the T. Carrot's the K, uh, You're a genius. The K. Oh, my word. Why is that? I don't know whether that's hard because it's my riddle. So therefore, I'm looking at it and then the C's turned into a K and that's why I didn't get it. If, if, I, if, if I, I had in my mind that the C was a K, I don't know why. Um, but anyway, I, I'll concede the fact that I probably got the majority of that. Riddle me this, riddle me that. Jim just solved it. Carrot with a K, peel back. (laughs) Right, should we have a look at the rumour mill, guys? Oh, go on. What you got for us, Jim? Well, big one this week. Um, Cockers. Gloucester won him, apparently. And he's talking to them. I'd be devoured if you left hashtag always, Edinburgh. But potentially... I don't know how, how I'd see this unfolding. So there'd be a, a part of Cockers, I imagine, that that wants to be Robert the Bruce, right? So be from England, be England till he dies, and then all of a sudden he's Scottish, right? I don't, I don't really know whether his ambition... Well, what do you mean? You don't, he, he came on here and he was saying we, as in <laughs> when he was talking about the Scotland team, as in, not as in little we, as in we, as in Scotland we. Do you remember when he came yeah. on, he was talking about that? Well, maybe he's not now. Maybe maybe it's no longer we. So um, there's talk of him talking to Gloucester. He's been he's been clever, hasn't he, Cockers? Because didn't he do an interview a couple of weeks ago that said uh, he's bang in the middle of his contract at Edinburgh and he'd love to extend it at some point as well? Which basically, when you di- decipher those words, change them around a bit, mix it up, re- 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 rewind. What he means is rewind. Gloucester, come and get me uh, and pay me half a million quid if you got it, and I will be your director of rugby head coach, whatever you want to be. Yeah, mate, but that's the thing, though. It's you, We spoke about it then. Time is everything, isn't it? Really. So if you think that there was talk of Gregor Townsend, if the Six Nations didn't go well, then what was he going to do? What did his future look like? And I'm sure, naturally, because Cox has done so well at Edinburgh, that he would have been in the slips, wouldn't he? He'd be waiting for whatever that whatever it's called, when the ball comes off the bat and just clips it, he'd be waiting to catch that Just ball. a little nick, mate. Just a little nick. A nick, a nick. There you go. Nick-nack. Um, and good he would have been waiting. But now... Nick-nacks. Good crisps. Uh, mate, I've not had a nick-nack in ages. Hot and spicy. Delicious. Really? Yeah. Mate, yeah. are they your real teeth or not? <laughs> yes, they are. All my teeth. My- How are they still in, all in your mouth if you're eating that stuff? <laughs> Pearly whites, mate. Pearly whites. I mean, it doesn't matter what colour they are. It's more what's, you okay. know, if they're attached. Yeah. It doesn't matter because I'm throwing up because I've got B4. B4. Anyway, um, so, mate, time is everything, isn't it? And I'm sure after the chat around Gloucester and the culture around there, they're probably being a bit reluctant to maybe look within because of some of the issues they've got. But I tell you, Cockers would sort that place out for sure. Um, but I don't want to say it. He's done the Prem. He's killing it with the Guinness Pro 14 with hashtag always Edinburgh. The next evolution for him is international. If it's not England, then we, as in me and Cockers, it's Scotland, mate. Didn't, so, didn't you get voted in the other week at, if there was a dream team to coach Edinburgh? Cockers would be head coach. You'd be water boy or something. Token gesture. But you're taking it, I mean, though, right? 
Well, of course I am, mate. It's so something, you, isn't it? You could be back at Gloucester. You've got your best mate working there as team manager in Ravo's arm, 50 uh and then, oh, and then you've Ravos. got, oh. you could have Cockers as, as head coach. But I think the dynamic around Gloucester is interesting, isn't it? Because David Humphreys is there as director of rugby. And there's clearly a power play at the minute. You know, has David Humphreys got the power as director of rugby to put someone as head coach that he wants? Or is it Lance Bradley with the power and the board that aren't actually giving any power to Humphreys to make the decision? And behind closed doors is going to be very different to what they put out in the press. And obviously the options are... You know, from what I hear, I think Lance Bradley wants Rory T to get promoted up. I think with the pandemic going on, to save money, if they get Cockers, they're going to have to buy him out his contract, aren't they? So, what's that going to cost? Three, four hundred grand, perhaps? Who knows? We're just chucking numbers out there, but it's going to be a chunky sum to get him out of his contract, isn't it? I think. And then there's other people in the mix, you know, other coaches that are being mentioned. So, if David Humphreys is director of rugby and he's, you know, going to stay there in that capacity, um, you know, you then look at a pure head coach. I know Di Young's been touted around as well and talked about. Um, Rob Howley is another one that's been mentioned. See, I don't think they can have either of them two. So I don't know if Di coaches physically on the field, does he or not? Well, he, he, well, he hasn't his last few years at Wasp because director of rugby has just taken over his whole role. Um, but I think Di feels it's a strength of his and especially the forwards. Yeah, well, that's what I mean. Well, that's the big thing, isn't it? So they need someone on the field and then... I know the next person that's been thrown around, which you were going to say then, is Rob Howley. But they've got Timmy Taylor, who's doing a really good job with them as the attack coach. Johnny Bell's left to go to Glasgow. To that's be a big loss coach, as well. That's a massive a loss. A huge loss. Huge loss. Apparently, he's thought of massively highly. And his evolution to move up in rugby is to now leave defence and do attacks. He was doing that at Glasgow. He's going to have a brilliant time there because Glasgow is a really good team. Uh, then you've got Rory Teague, who's a brilliant coach as well, but does the backs. Uh, doesn't mean he's going to be head coach. doesn't mean you have the credibilities if you are a really good backs coach. Um, and he's, then he's, you've not, he's got, not lasted too long at many places, Rory Teague, has he? What I'm trying to say is Gloucester need a forwards coach, a line-out coach, which they didn't have before. Apparently, the, the analysis was doing the uh, the line-outs there for them. So they need someone like Cockers. And if Dai Young coaches, then they need someone like him. How about Daryl Gibson? He had a really good record over might, in New Zealand. Might, He knows the premiership. I know Leicester made some noises about trying to get him back at some point. He's a very well-respected coach. Daryl Gibson could be someone who um, just is out of the blue. But again, it sits in that backs mould, doesn't it? So he'd have to bring a forwards coach with him or someone uh, that perhaps he'd, he'd, he could trust in that in that respect as well. So yeah, I mean, Dai Young's an option. Rob Howley's an option. I'd chuck Daryl Gibson into the mix as well as a head coach option. Um, you know, Humphreys as director of rugby. Humps is a great bloke. I know him pr- pretty well. So it's interesting, you know, does he have the power to make the decision or is it Lance Bradley and the board or, or who knows what's going to happen there? But what we all hope, I love Gloucester as a club, never played for them, love going down there. You know, you want to see them have some success and have some stability because that's what breeds success and um, whatever their next move is has to be a long-term move. Uh, and the only other one, the rumours out there, friend of the show, I think he is. I don't know if he's been on before. I think he has. Nick Abendelon, dong 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 dong, uh, from Clermont. Um, as we know, he's leaving there to London Irish. Come on, you Irish! If you're on the lookout for some more great rugby content, check out our Superfan subscription service at Patreon.com. I caught up with Olympic gold medal winning sevens coach Ben Ryan for a chat about what he could bring to the 15-a-side game as an attack coach. Have a listen to this. What is it about the 15s game that I don't want to say you don't like, but 
makes you kind of a bit standoffish when it comes to going in on it? I think it's the day-to-day volume of it. You know, the the real lack of opportunity just to have downtime yourself. You know, I really value that side of life as well as as well as my career side. And and also I enjoy being curious in other areas. You know, I've got the Rugby X stuff on. I also um, work for PlayX, which is like a new kind of money supermarket for professional sportsmen. Um, I'm about to start writing a second book. I've got a couple of other business stuff well away from it and, and I work for Nike as well as a consultant and I just like that it just keeps my me 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 fresh and I know that I'm not that great when I've only got one thing that I'm firing into so you know that's just me personally and I, I don't know there's there was something that about the the week-to-week prem rugby that I, I didn't get as excited about as perhaps I really should I should have done uh, and that's not that's not because I think the the product's Add one. It's just personally for me. Maybe I, you know, my adrenaline had been shot by my experiences in Fiji, and it was time to do something else. But I look at the game. I think I see how the attack, in particular, and some of the technique in the prem, and I think I could, I could do something that no one else is doing. And that sounds really arrogant, but I believe that. And if I go back in and get the opportunity, um, then then maybe that will happen. What do you think you could do that no one else is doing? Well, I think a, a lot around the attack, the shape of attack, the movement in attack, um, backline formations, um, opportunities to score off first phase, um, stuff that's around around actually composition of where you put players on the field. I think there's things that, that teams aren't doing at the moment that I think they could do differently. Can you, you know, give me an we, idea of like what, for I me mean, as a layman it, watching, the, watching the game, like what would you see that we don't see even like when I was at Newbury even in the championship and I was you know I, I I had free reign there and had Brian Ashton that also helped out when he was England coach he also came down to help me at Newbury and we'd run backline formations so you know we'd run a what like a one one four where we might just have a, a 10 with the your best attack player 10 meters outside him and everyone else bunched on the on the touchline there you go. Just head to patreon.com forward slash the rugby pod if you like the sound of that. It's just a few quid a month for loads of extra interviews and features. And we couldn't do all this without your support. So a massive thank you to everyone who's signed up. Right, let's finish things off with the good, the bad and the ugly, which is brought to you by Sons, isn't it, Goody? Yeah, the stress is real at the moment with everything that's going on. But the lid, my lid and Jim's lid, is looking a lot sharper because of Sons. How's yours getting on, Jim? The high and tight is officially now high and shite, but no, it's uh, I'm happy. Well up here. Well, the tablets, vitamins, topical solution and shampoo have been doing the job for me and my hair is feeling thicker and stronger than ever. A bit like my uh, build as well. Sons is a men's health brand that's helping guys with one of the key issues that they don't often talk about, how to keep their hair. They do this by offering free online consultations with GPs, providing a range of licensed and medically proven products for preventing and treating hair loss and delivering via a monthly subscription service direct to your door. They get results in 9 out of 10 men too, and you can take the consultation in less than two minutes. So just visit sons.co.uk and use the code RugbyPod10 to get your first month for just 10 quid and show hair loss who's boss. That's S-O-N-S.co.uk, and the code is RugbyPod10, so go and check them out. Uh, yeah, the good. Uh, a few good bits this week again. Uh, we're going to start off with an absolute legend of the game, Kieran Reid. That's perked Andy Rowe up a bit. He's been made an officer of the New Zealand Order of Merit for services to rugby in the Queen's birthday honours list. So uh, a big tip of the slipper to Kieran Reid. Have either of you guys got any odd honours? I can't work out how you get one. 
I mean, so has Kieran Reid got one because his services to rugby? Yes. Mate, I didn't see him playing at Otley <laughs> back in 2003 <laughs> or four. You never know. The Queen looked at me once and said, I'm a fine-looking gentleman. Ask Mike Tyndall. She'll tell you. Yeah, of course. Um, of course. Anyway, big tip of the slipper to Kieran Reid. Uh, and if there is anyone, and I'll say this on here, and I'm sure Jim will agree with me, if there is anyone in rugby that deserves an MBE in this country for services to rugby and health and everything around the game, it's Matt Hampson. So uh, we need to get on that, jump on that bandwagon as quickly as possible. We talk about it all the time. Hambo deserves an MBE, but we'll move on from that. Uh, what else was good? Uh, two friends of the show, John Cooney and Geordie Murphy. Cooney, Cooney and... Geordie, Geordie Murphy, not Jordan Murphy, Murphy Geordie Murphy. Murphy. Uh, they've been helping out and giving out gifts while remaining socially distanced at a care home in Belfast this week. So a uh, big shout out to them, putting smiles on people's faces. What else is good? We're going up to Scotland, Jim. A pair of former Scottish rugby players, Graham Hogg and Adam Clayton. Oh, I was going to mention these. Yeah. I was involved. Yeah, they cycled for 24 hours straight on an exercise bike over the weekend to raise money for Make Minds Move and to raise awareness of mental health issues. We talked about it last week, didn't we, or the week before. Um, 24 hours on a bike. All I'm saying is I hope they used the chamois cream and how's your gooch after that? Yeah, I don't think that they ate it. Matt, I joined them on an Instagram live because that's what we do uh, these days. Early on, I mean, they're only a few hours in. Yeah, mate, that's a hell of a shift, really. I mean, you go on bike for a couple of hours and it ain't the most comfortable on the old arse gooch and they've been on there 24 hours but they had a load of interaction they had some quality players come on and chat to them and um a lot of people from all over the world potentially uh but they went through the night and a big shout out to them i'm sticking with uh mental health issues and raising awareness uh we mentioned it last week mark jennings uh he did 100 kilometers on a treadmill in 12 hours on sunday to raise money for the rpa's charity restart um he's done some interviews recently i know producer tim did an interview with mark on uh, our patreon subscription service uh talking about mental health and and what the support the rpa have given to him with the restart charity so a brilliant thing for him to do as well well done mark jennings um but finally the goo this week goes to four-year-old Rocco Jacks Locke, who's become a bit of a hit on social media. He's been doing impressions of the likes of Alan Wynne-Jones, Ken Owens, and even our special guest today, Dan Bigger. Uh, so a massive shout-out to him for putting smiles on people's faces, doing impressions, and basically having a good time in this tough time. So well done, Rocco Jacks Locke. You get the good this week. You're four years old. I hope you're not listening, but I hope your dad does, so uh, he can tell you about it when you're older. Good lad. Good on you, mate. Uh, the bad. Um, firstly, the Sunwolves. Their time in Super Rugby is officially coming to an end. We knew it would happen, but it's sad to see, and it didn't work out. They've not managed to come to an agreement with the Australian Rugby Union uh, to be part of their tournament when they get started again. So uh, really sad to see. And that's the issue with expanding a league sometimes. Too fast, too quickly. The Sunwolves, unfortunately, they are gone. But the bad this week goes to Welsh Rugby. Unfortunately, the Professional Game Board held a four-hour meeting this week uh, with the regions and they are likely to have their budget slashed with the WIU facing a £60 million drop in their annual income. So the region's funding could fall from £26 million down to just £3 million, according wow. to some reports. So, uh, yeah, that's pretty pretty brutal over there and a pretty stark warning around the game of how important it is that 
the game's been affected massively and jobs are going to be lost and cuts are going to have to be made. So a start warning coming out of Wales. And then the ugly, uh, only one bit of ugly news that I could find this week. And unfortunately, again, it's around cuts and it's from Rugby Australia. They're having to make a third of their staff redundant uh, with the pandemic that's gone on. They've lost a huge amount of money, a huge amount of income, unsustainable. So unfortunately, they're having to make a third of their staff redundant, which is pretty sad, pretty ugly. But unfortunately, it's the state of the world at the minute. Thanks, Goody. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Producer Tim. And thank you very much for listening as well. If you have time to leave us a nice review on iTunes, that'd be very much appreciated. And don't forget to subscribe on our YouTube channel as well. Ruby Pod. Pod, pod, pod. Thank <laughs> you.